0: Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello there, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Health Mystery Solved. You know the phrase, if only I knew then what I know now. I've certainly caught myself saying this, and I hear this from almost all of my patients, especially after weeks, months, or even years after figuring something out. Wouldn't it be amazing if we did actually know then what we know now? While, of course, we don't want to keep looking backwards, lamenting, or regretting the past because, well, that's just not very positive, and some things do happen for a reason so that we learn. However, with that said, I do think it's interesting to think back to where we were. I've been through so much with my health over the last 25 years, and along with over 17 years in clinical practice, I can definitely say I do know quite a bit that I certainly did not before. I know that you're all on slightly different paths and on various parts of your healing journeys. Some of you are just starting out and others have been at it for a while. I also know that as much as there's information out there, it's a lot to go through and it can also be super confusing. Information overload, really. If there's something I can do to help you not have to say, oh gosh, I wish I knew then what I know now, when you think about your health journey, that would really make me smile. This is the reason why I wanted to record this episode. While I would never want to label what we didn't do or did differently as mistakes because these are all experiences for learning, there were a few things that I wish I knew and wish I did sooner because they made such a difference in how I felt. I wanted to share those with you in the hopes that you can learn from my past mistakes and avoid them yourself so that you can heal faster. After thinking about all of them, I came up with five that I thought really made the biggest difference and really moved the needle for me. And here they are. Number five, I would have stopped gluten sooner. So this is a biggie and it's something that's really important for a lot of people, especially if you're dealing with any kind of autoimmunity like Hashimoto's, arthritis, MS, lupus, or really any autoimmune disease. I knew that there was a connection However, I don't think that anyone really properly explained it to me. See, what happens with gluten and autoimmunity is that there's a process called molecular mimicry. So what this means is that if your body doesn't like gluten and attacks the gluten because it literally thinks that gluten is not your friend, sometimes the molecules on the gluten have similarity to those that are on your thyroid or your other organs. So if you're eating gluten and your body doesn't like it, your body attacks the gluten, but then because the gluten looks similar to other organs, it mistakes it and attacks those organs at the same time. And so that's how we can get more thyroid destruction or destruction of other organs. While I knew there was a connection going back 20 years, it was probably even 25 years when I first started my journey. I didn't really understand that. And I remember doing a stool test with a functional practitioner and there was antibodies to gluten, which were called anti gluten IgA. And I saw them and he mentioned to me, you should get off gluten. But I think because it wasn't properly explained, I thought, mm, yeah, they're there, but you know, I don't feel so bad from the gluten. And honestly, I think because I really didn't want to get off gluten because gosh, I mean, who really does, right? I loved bread, I enjoyed that when I went out to eat and some of the other things that gluten is in, I honestly try to make excuses as to why I shouldn't do it. So I'd remove it for a few days and look and see, well, I didn't feel so much better, so I guess it's really not an issue for me. Or I would eat it and then say, well, I don't feel so much worse from eating it, so I guess that doesn't really work for me. But really when it comes to gluten, it's an all or nothing type of thing. It's almost like being pregnant. We can't be 90% pregnant, right? It's really about doing it a hundred percent. So oftentimes it takes a while for gluten to get out of your system. So if you do it for a couple of days and then you eat it again, and then you donate it for a couple of days, you probably won't see as much of a difference. And for a lot of people, even if you remove it, mostly say you remove it 90%, you may notice some difference, but you may still not see complete results So the autoimmunity may not start to decline. Some of your symptoms may go down, but not that significantly. So you really want to do it 100%. Now, while of course, I'm not saying that every single person needs to be gluten-free, if you have Hashimoto's or another autoimmune disease, there's typically a big connection. And there are some tests that can be done. There's the genetic test called the DQ2 and DQ8 gene. And this test looks to see if genetically you're not meant to process gluten. What's interesting is that many people who have Hashimoto's and other autoimmune diseases have these genotypes, not to say that everyone does, obviously, because it's not always black and white, but a lot of people do. So that's a very helpful test. And then the other test is looking at the antibodies for gluten. Now the trick with that is there's a lot of different companies that do this. The best that I found is called the Wheat Zoomer by Vibrant America. What I like about that is they're not just looking at the wheat itself, but they're breaking the wheat down into all of its metabolites. So it's the glutens and the gliadins and then other metabolites as well. There's actually over 25 different things that they look at, because if you're just looking at gluten alone or wheat alone without it being broken down, there is a possibility for false negatives. So doing a Vibrant test and looking at the genetics is a really good way to see if there is an issue. If there is an issue, please hear me out. I know that it may not be easy, and I know that it probably seems like a big task. However, it is really, really important, and it's going to make a huge difference in your health. You can start slow, that's okay. Take baby steps, start replacing it with other products that are gluten-free. You don't have to go cold turkey, but the goal, if you have those genotypes, so if you have a sensitivity to it and you have autoimmunity, the goal is to get off 100%. So if it takes you longer, fine, no problem. Don't rush, but really try to think of it from the bigger perspective and the bigger picture. And we do want to get off because you will notice a difference. Now, again, gluten is one factor. There's many things that of course affect autoimmunity, but it's one that's very important. And it's one that I definitely waited longer than I should have. Once I finally got off 100 percent that's when I really started to see changes and I really started to see markers come down in my blood test. I had many other things that wasn't the only thing, but it definitely made a difference. Number four is that I wish I didn't rely as much on supplements. I know what you may be thinking. Wait a minute, Ina. You love supplements. You talk about supplements all the time. Yes, I do. I take a lot of supplements. I talk about them and I certainly recommend them to my clients when they're needed. Here's the thing, supplements are very helpful, they're very important, but it's not everything. Let me tell you a story. When I was in my early 20s, I had really bad acne. Part of it was stress, part of it was food sensitivities, part of it was hormones, there's a lot of things that was going on. I had many different issues, but the skin is something that really plagued me. It was hard because everyone saw my face and I felt embarrassed. I felt all sorts of things, right? Because I wasn't a teenager anymore. And so I was doing a lot of stuff to try to calm my skin down. At one point I did an adrenal test and the adrenal test showed that my adrenals were on the weaker side. Surprise, surprise, right? I mean, that's pretty common and I was definitely stressed. I was doing a lot and I was trying to figure out this huge puzzle, which was my health and it wasn't really working at the time. So I did this adrenal test and it showed that my adrenals were weak, that I had low DHEA and that I needed adrenal support. So as a clinician, I thought, okay, well, great. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I had all of the vitamins. I had all of the herbs. I knew the protocol. So I put a protocol together for myself and started taking it. Lo and behold, within about a week, my skin got worse. And I thought, well, this can't really be related, can it? And so I stopped it, the skin got a little better. Still not great, but it kind of went back to it's normal, you know, breaking out a little bit, but you know, it wasn't as bad. Started the herbs again, skin flared. Stopped, skin came down. And I thought, okay, well obviously these herbs are not good for me. So I tried different herbs for adrenals, the same thing. Anything that I tried to take for my adrenals flared up my skin. And I thought, well, I have to take these vitamins. Right? Like my adrenals are off. I need to take these. And I really just kept thinking this is the only way and there's no other way. Not really thinking that adrenals are actually a twofold approach. Yes, there's adrenal herbs and supplements and various nutrients that could be helpful, but adrenals are also off due to stress. So thinking about what I'm doing to balance stress can also help. And it's not just about the supplements and I kept pushing and pushing and trying to take them. And my skin kept flaring and I wasn't getting anywhere. Once I realized that I stopped those adrenal supplements and started supporting my adrenals from a different angle by doing some of the mind body stuff. And it made a huge difference. While supplements are important, They're just one tool. We have so many other tools. So in addition to supplements, we also have our food, we have our environment, we have our physical activity, our mind-body, all of that also plays a role. And this actually brings me to number three, which is I wish that I had started to pay attention to mind-body sooner than I did. I was such a science person. I needed everything in black and white. And so I would see a study where it says you take this supplement, it helps with that. Or you do this type of cleanse, it helps with that. However, things like breathing, meditation, or even thinking positively, while of course there's research on that, it just didn't seem as tangible to me. And I never connected what a role it can play. And with the story I just told you about with the adrenals, because I literally could not take adrenal supplements because every single one of them made me break out. I had to start supporting it in a different way. I started working with an energy healer. He taught me how to meditate. We did a lot of different exercises where I retrained my body, how to breathe properly. I started to look at how I am thinking about stuff and reframing just everyday beliefs. And that made such a difference. And it was this aha moment. Like, why was I not thinking about it that way before? Right. And I actually even watched the video where they took cells and put them under the microscope. And then the person would say things that would be positive. Like I love myself or I'm a good person. And you see the cells do well. And then someone would say things like I'm overwhelmed or other negative things. And you literally start to see the cells clump together. So our thoughts, our emotions, our beliefs, literally what we say is going to affect everything, which is how stress affects so much in the body. And I thought to myself, my gosh, I feel like such a hypocrite because here I am doing all of these healthy things or at least trying to, right? I wasn't drinking alcohol. I was eating clean. I was not exposing myself to different toxins. I changed all of my personal care products to really clean products. I was exercising, was doing so many things, but yet here I am walking around stressed out, speaking to myself in a very negative way. Again, not on purpose, but it was just something that, I always did, right? Or blaming myself for things, or just being overwhelmed. Really, like picking up little things that really didn't matter, so making a mountain out of a molehill. And while, of course, I knew that stress isn't good, I never really thought of it in that way. So please, please, don't underestimate the power that stress has on you. And I know you're going to say, Yesina, I know stress is not good. I know you know but really, really think about it. And we can't always change our life, but we can change how we see it, right? And reframe it. So if something happens, is there maybe something we can do to ask a question about what can we do about this versus saying something like, oh gosh, it happened again, here I go. Or of course it did, I'm so unlucky, right? Do you see the difference between the negative response or a more positive response? Okay, this happened, let's see what we can do. And also even just simple things like doing the box breath technique where you breathe in for a count of five, you hold for a count of five, breathe out for a count of five and hold that for a count of five. Do that a couple of times a day. That makes a difference. Meditation is wonderful. Though of course I understand that it takes a little time to learn. It's not for everyone, but even doing a five minute guided meditation can be great. Getting outside and moving. You may be busy, you may not have time for a full workout, but just taking a walk around the block, especially as it's getting warmer out, breathing, enjoying the scenery, getting fresh air, all of that helps. So every little thing that you do to help calm down your adrenals and manage your stress is going to make a difference. And a lot of the time that may work even better and quicker than taking a lot of supplements, because if you're doing all the right things, but you're still stressing yourself out it's like you're working against yourself. Number two is that I wish I had kept a food journal. So a lot of times when we start to eat healthy, we change the types of things that we eat, right? So we may take out gluten or dairy, or we may replace certain other foods, and that's wonderful. But oftentimes we don't always make the connection between the food that we eat and what happens. It's hard sometimes Because once we eat a food, we may have reactions immediately, or those reactions could be delayed. They could take a couple of hours, sometimes even a couple of days. So just by thinking about it, it's often hard to know. Was it the breakfast that gave you a reaction or the dinner from the night before, or maybe even the breakfast from the previous day? This is why keeping a food journal really helps. And I know some of you may be thinking, oh, but that's a lot of time and I don't want to keep remembering what I'm eating. I get it. It takes a little bit of time, but even if you can do it for a week or two weeks, you'll get a nice indication of what's happening and how your body is responding. Remember the story I was telling about my skin? Well, there's a lot of things that affected my skin, but one of them was dairy. The thing is, until I started keeping a food journal, I didn't figure that out. I was using a ton of different topicals. At first I was using prescription things, but as I got into my health journey and really realized that all of those chemicals are harmful, I started using a lot of natural ingredients. So essential oils and all types of topicals that had better quality ingredients. So they were very safe and healthy for my skin. I paid so much attention to that and what I put on my face in the morning versus in the evening, and I had 10 different products and I was rotating them around, I was writing it all down, and trying to figure out which was helping and which was hurting. And I started to make some correlations, but I realized I was doing that with the products, but not with my food. And then I was making these correlations that this oil made it worse versus this cleanser made it better. But once I started to really look at what I was eating and write it down, I realized it was the dairy that was causing all of my issues. And it wasn't immediate. If I'd have dairy, Two days later, like clockwork, I would get a pimple or two or three, and then it would take a while for them to come to a head and then you know they would get inflamed and then it would be a whole week process. Those will go down, but then if I have dairy again, new ones would come up. So here I was figuring stuff out with my skincare and my makeup routine thinking it's that, where really it was the food that I was eating. So of course it's important to pay attention to what you're putting in your body and on your skin, But looking at what you're eating and also writing down how you're feeling after that food, but also how you're feeling later that day and the next day really, really makes a difference. And if you're working with a functional practitioner and they've asked you to keep a food journal and you said, yeah, yeah, I will, but you haven't yet. Please take my word. It's very, very helpful. Yes, it takes a little bit of extra effort, but there's tons of apps these days that you can use and you don't have to do the food journal forever. Just doing it for two weeks or so is going to give you a lot of data. I promise it's going to help. And then the number one thing that I wish I knew and would have done sooner is to not white knuckle it. So what I mean by that is, you know, when you think that you should do something and you do it, and it just feels like every step of the way, you're just pushing and pushing and pushing and you're trying and trying. And it's like, it's just not working. And that could be in health, it can be in life in general, it could be in parenting and business, right? And anything. And while some things do take a lot of great determination and hard work, I'm not saying that, but if you feel like you're really, really moving upstream and no matter what you do, it's just not working. That's what I mean by white knuckling it. And that's when you want to rethink it. And again, I'm not saying things can't be hard, but if you're doing something and doing something and doing something and it's not working, let's look at what we're doing and rethink it. So maybe you're working with someone and you're doing a protocol and you're just having tons and tons and tons of detox reactions. And they may tell you, oh, it's okay. It's just detox. Keep going. And it's been a week, two weeks, a month. Sometimes, even several months, and you're still feeling worse and worse. And the practitioner may be telling you it's detox, keep going. But if you feel in your gut that it's just too hard and you're going upstream, then maybe it's time to change. Maybe it's time to tell the practitioner, you know what? Can we slow down on this detox? Or maybe the detox is just not right for your body. Maybe your elimination pathways are not completely open and you're trying to push toxins out, but it's like there's a bottleneck and they're not coming out by pushing harder and going stronger. Well, that's not going to be the answer. Or maybe you've taken a lot of foods out of your diet and you feel like you have to take more and more and more foods out and you're not feeling better and you're feeling even more restricted. And yes, of course, there's a time and place where certain foods could be taken out, but if you've taken so much out and there's still no difference, Again, perhaps we want to rethink the protocol, maybe talking to your practitioner and saying, okay, we've taken all these foods. Perhaps we need to look at healing the gut and doing some more gut support so we can handle more foods. You see what I mean? So sometimes it could be the protocol you're using. Sometimes it could be the practitioner you're working with, or sometimes it could be your own belief or a mindset about something. So if you really feel like you're white knuckling it, just take a look and see if maybe there is a way to shift it somehow. Typically, it doesn't even have to be a complete 180. It could just be a small shift, and that can make all the difference. There you have it, the five things I wish I knew or did sooner. I hope these can help you avoid some of my mistakes and help you heal faster. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and if you know someone that can benefit from this, can you please share it with them? I would so appreciate it. And as always, when it comes to your health issues, please, please don't give up. The answers are out there, and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.